You're now listening to Cinco Squad. What's going on, everyone? It's another week. It's Cinco Squad. What's going on, fellas? My name is Jonathan with Cinco Squad. With me are my brothers, Trey Day and Mike A. Grandpa Jay is on a flight right now. Wish him safe travels as he goes to the U.S. Olympic trials, I think it is. I believe In Iowa. So... So, um, best of luck to him out there. He's not going to be here this week, so no Jamie's bets of the week. So if you missed out and you want some bets of the week, DM us and we'll we'll send make sure he gets something out there for you guys. But fellas, how's it going this week? It's going Post- well. All season, it's almost time. I'm getting there. Five more Sundays. Yep, almost. Is that is really is that what we're down to now? Yes, five more Sundays. Damn. All right. Well, te- right. technically, if you want to count preseason as that's what you watch, which I don't, um, next week or this weekend, right? Right. Right. Or yeah, next week. Been... I don't know. I don't watch preseason. It annoys me, actually. <laughs> well, no. Well, no. It's the Hall of Fame game. That's why. Yeah, that's that's even lower than preseason. <laughs> the Hall of Fame game. They, the, the backups, backups, backups playing the Hall of Fame game because, you know, when you get a Hall of Fame game, you have to have an extra preseason game. So they like literally do not even play the second string for most of the Hall of Fame games. They do it for the opening. They play the starters for the opening most of the time, and then they just let them go after that. Yeah. They let they put the second string. They do like one series, and then because it's such a meaningful weekend of. Are you sure they've done it for Hall of Fame lately? Because I know the year when Jerome Bettis got in there, Ben and all them ain't played. But I know veteran quarterback. But a lot. But of- I mean, that's that's a situ. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's situational, right? Like Big Ben. Was so deep in his career, you can't afford for him to play, even if it's just one one snap, right? You don't want to get him hurt. But I think if you're like a team like Aaron Rodgers, let's just say for him, for instance, if you're the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, I think these are critical preseason games for you because he was the guy that was all like, oh, I don't need to do training camp or anything. And he's been in training camp, but there's nothing like live games, right? And that's actually a live game. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers has to play the whole entire game. One series just to get the blood flowing, get some chemistry. I think it's all situational, right? It all depends on who we're, who's playing with who, right? If it's Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs, he's got the same receiving core. He doesn't need that chemistry buildup, right? So you think one preseason series really is going to do that? No, I don't think so. I I don't, I I don't think so. But I also think that you also, I also think those preseason games actually mean something in the sense of getting chemistry, building in a game flow type of – you can only do so much game flow in practice. So why don't you watch preseason? I don't watch preseason. I no, I'm asking you why don't you, based on what you just said. <laughs> I, I never have. I mean, I just yeah, don't. But, I just I don't. Know, I but I'm not but I'm not on the team. That's what I'm saying. It's like I'm not on the team. So, for me, like, it's it's more or less I understand why we why some players do play and why it's critical for some teams, like in, in Aaron Rodgers. There's only – like – you got to admit, there's only so much you can do in practice that game flow isn't going to. Now, I'm not saying you're playing against the first team stars, but it's game flow. You're getting that game flow going. So to you, you extent, would... but is it really game flow? So okay. it is because you're playing. You're playing. How is it not? Because you're playing four four downs. You're playing real time. You got real fouls, real refs. Yes, you're not playing against the, probably the first the time, team defense. Teams, no, because I understand that, but the playbook is not really. Familiar. Not well, really. Most teams do not run their full playbook in preseason. The playbook right, but playbook but if you're if you're a fresh quarterback on a team like Bryce Young, you need those preseason games to, in order to get 
NFL, you're a rookie quarterback. Like, how is that not how is that not critical? Okay, in my opinion? I'm gonna ask you this question then. Why yes. don't college have preseason? And they're younger than that. Then what happened with Bryce Young's preseason college? They do have preseason. They have the first four games of the year. That's why we're playing Eastern Carolina oh. in the first game of the year. No, you might be because at Ohio State here. We played Notre Dame to start our year last That's year. y'all fault. That's so, y'all fault for scheduling that way. Fault. We won. We did our thing. That's y'all fault for scheduling that way. We come out and we play, you know, semi-real teams like Notre Dame. Yeah, so, I it, like, teams. All right, this is when I jump into the conversation. I was having fun up until that point. Well, no come one on. no one beats out no one beats out the Heisman Trophy wearing Mike Sano in Notre Dame. They got his number yeah. retired and everything. Look at that. Look at look at Trey already throwing number seven. Trey already throwing the bows in the beginning. Let me let Jersey. There's only one in the world. I'm not saying I'm not saying I like preseason any more than next guy. I never I never said that, but I think that you know I get why some teams like it's it's weird, right? Because like game flow, even though it's vanilla, like you're still getting to a game flow in the sense of you're getting real real guys jumping at you. It's not the quarterbacks not getting hit anymore. It's okay, it's but I have a question for you with that. So if you notice in a different innovation in NFL, why I think we actually get more reps at is a lot of these teams are doing inter-team practice. To me, that's actually a better rep than the preseason game because of the inter-team practice, they play one-on-ones for several series. So that's actually closer to preseason. The preseason is a masquerade at this well, point. Oh, I've said that. I've said so that before. Is, so what's gonna happen? But I've said that last year though. I said that last year is that I said that I would rather have to do the inter-team practices than to do the preseason game because you're getting more reps with your actual your actual group. Like they actually have groups with like corners playing receivers. It's all one, it's all one for one V one in all that mm-hmm. aspect. Mm-hmm. And especially with defensive tackles and everything like that, they're playing against real, the real starters. So I've said that last year that I think that the inner team practices actually, and that's what I was going to go to is that the inner team practices are actually better in my opinion than the, the preseason games, in my opinion, because you get a little bit more chippiness, you get a little bit more raw in there and you, you're just, you, I mean, you're more, apt to, to play your starters. You're playing starters against starters in that aspect. And it's – I mean, the quarterbacks aren't getting hit, but, I mean, realistically, in this NFL, yeah, the quarterbacks the aren't – don't get <laughs> hit in this <laughs> NFL as it is. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. I cut you off. What were you saying? No, I was saying the quarterbacks never get hit in real life. So, so it's really not too much of a difference for that. I mean, I don't know if you might – How is the preseason something that you look forward to? I look forward to the preseason for the Giants in the sense of to see the new guys in uniform, the rookies play, who's going to step up, who's not. I don't usually really watch preseason games because outside of particular players on the Giants that I want to see play, I don't need to see you know the undrafted free agents that I know aren't going to make it out of week one or two play because I know they're not making it out of week one or two. I only care about, you know, the guys that I know are going to make the team or have, I I think, have a good shot to make the team. But I think think in a way you're both right. I think the preseason has, to Trey's point, the preseason has become a shell of its former self. It's become a sham. It's all just extra games that not a lot of players, a lot of the top players are playing in anyway. But to John's point, I think there are particular teams that, do need these preseason games more than others. Um, I had to laugh at the Rodgers example because, yes, he is a new quarterback on the team. He does go in with a unique benefit in that half of the Jets roster is now former Packers <laughs> so yeah. that he's already played with. But <laughs> I do agree that, that Rodgers, those, those in-game snaps may be good for Rodgers to get used to 
a Garrett Wilson or, you know, some of the, uh, like a Brees Hall guys that he hasn't played with yet. Some of these top, you know, first string guys that, you know, he hasn't played with yet. Um, Your 2010s Jaguars needed preseason because they didn't even know who their, the third, the third or fourth stringer could end up being the first stringer by the end of camp. Because Mm -hmm. they, yeah, I mean, I see, I see something different, like with the preseason and the stuff. I see it similar to spring training. It's overrated. Spring training is overrated. Spring yeah, training. I, me, Mike and I went back and forth on this because they don't need four weeks. They already know the roster because at this point they already know who, who's going to be the day one starters for these teams for the NFL teams. So they don't need preseason games to see who's going to make the team. They already know who made the team. At this point, you already know who makes the team. It's basically now you're playing who's got injured, right? That's right. basically yeah. who you're playing for. So, in the MLB, it's the same thing. They do a month of spring training. Guys go out there and bat the shit out of the ball, play the play their ass off, and then never have a chance to make the – oh, you get to move up to double A. It's like, what? What did I play spring training for? It's the same thing. I, I and, and I guess I'm contradicting myself in a little bit, but it really doesn't mean anything towards a roster spot at all. And it doesn't because their roster's already pretty much set going into camp. It's already set. It's just based on injury. All right, how do we put this guy into this this system? I mean, I guess if you want to run trick plays and shit like that, I guess. But, I mean, it's already pretty much set. Well, and, and so in the comparison between spring training and NFL preseason, NFL camp is better than – is more necessary – I think camp, not preseason game, but camp, is more necessary than spring tra- a length of spring training is because – NFL, it's hold uh, it's plays, it's guys getting used to playbook stuff like that. Um, I I was saying problem, games. I understand that the problem is is games are some games are necessary in spring training specifically because, and I I swear it, it's getting worse by the number of guys that are getting hurt going into camp and then in the games early in the games, not like they're getting worn out because they're playing too many games. Although I do think I do agree. They're playing too many games in spring training, particularly. It just doesn't seem like a lot of guys are doing, or at least as much as in the past are doing what they need to do in the off season outside of organized camp to stay ready. Yeah. But that doesn't, I mean, that's on them then. You're a professional fucking athlete. You need to oh, fucking get ready for the season. Like, if you can't spend those four months and getting ready, take a month off for yourself. I get that. It's a long season. And then go ahead and, and most of the time, only eight teams make or, or 16 teams make the playoffs. So there's 16 teams that are sitting there in October, November, December, January, February, March. You're telling me in those in those six months? I don't believe that. I think that's horseshit because I think ultimately guys need to come in ready. If they're not, then they get cut. And that's why they that's why you have all these fucking games. That's why I said that the spring training games need to be shorter, just like the preseason games. I, I've even said last year, like I would mention, that they should just stick with the interlude practice. But the problem is it's all it's a business at the end of the day. They're just selling tickets for these games. Right. Yeah, they're cheap, but they're selling tickets. So it's right. a business. As a true fan like us, we don't care about spring training. We just want to get to the season, right? That's how Michigan right. is and everything like that. Like you know, I I've said that for years. Like, how come college football? I always wonder why college football never had like one preseason game or like one exhibition game. Every other sport seems to have it, but why doesn't college football have it? It's just kind of strange. But 
you know, that's that's something that we we always talk about. I mean, we're getting excited here at Cinco Squad. As you can tell, we're already talking spring uh, preseason football. We're already getting, getting hot. It's going to be a long season, great season. Um, hopefully my Eagles host that trophy. But, Mike, I want to ask you something. Yes. I want to ask you for a couple of days. Okay. What in the world was that with Saquon? Yes. Um. What in the world? I mean, y'all hustled him. Do you want? Do you want my honest answer? I just think he was desperate, but I mean, in my opinion, like, go ahead, just get your. I I mean, I want you can lie if you want. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) That whole that whole Saquon thing was exactly what some people were, including my father, I will say, suspected it was, which was two sides that were doing nothing but posturing and bullshitting. It was essentially a staring contest between the two of them. Who's going to blink first? And Saquon blinked. I've told, I talked to you earlier uh, in the week when it happened, the day it happened, which was what I believe a couple days ago as of this recording, because he got to camp yesterday, uh, that you look at it, it can only be looked at really in one way, which is that all of the, like I said, posturing and bullshitting and lack of communication and shutting the team out and all that netted Saquon Barkley an extra $900,000. Actually, tur- it lost some money. Actually, oh, it did lose your money because he, he would have got more no, money. No, no, no. He, no, he lost money. He lost he, money in that deal because his, his original franchise tag was at $14 million. And that was that was brought to you by Trey Day. He gave me that earlier. He they their original franchise tag, if you remember back in like the end of February, was at 14 and a half million dollars. So he lost money in that deal. So in my head, if you're gonna go get that franchise tag, like Trey said to me earlier, why not go get take a two-year deal for 10 20 million, you know, something around there? Like that's what I didn't understand. He just shot himself in the foot for next year, and then he just shot every running back in the foot going Mm -hmm. forward. Yep, because he's a top three running back in the league. And now any running back that want like Dalvin Cook's now going to get probably five or six million dollars when he was hoping to get 10 or 11 when he's not even on the same level. So, Trey, what, right. do, you, what do you think about that? No, I mean, he at the end of the day, he shot himself in the foot because even if he took like a 20 million for two years, at least he has 10 million per year. No matter what happens, if you're the Giants, what reason can you justifiably hand him more than 11 mil next year? I don't care if he's the MVP of the league this year. If he goes out and he's the MVP of the league this year, that means they put more mileage on him, which then goes back to what they originally justified is we are not going to pay you with this mileage. If he goes out and gets hurt in week five, then they're going to turn around and say, we are not paying you because you were hurt. There's no win from him. I don't see how he ever makes this much in a single season ever again. This was his shot, and he basically just gave up. You need to hold them balls to the walls because they don't have that much on that team. This their shot to try to, you know, make the playoffs while they have you young, while they haven't uh, killed the rest of the cap and everything such as that. So I just, I don't know. To me, he was the one that was supposed to stand pat on his feet. This wasn't like that thing where Le'Veon Bell did it. Well, Le'Veon Bell already had two weed suspensions. Now he had two major injuries. This was a guy who was still in his prime and still had a lot more usefulness at this point. Yeah. Even the backup situation isn't great. Le'Veon and James Conner in back of him. Everything about this, Saquon was supposed to stand pat on his back and just be like, I'm not going nowhere. Well, I see it more as like, you know, in the other leagues, like, 
like we talk about this all the time. Like when we talk about LeBron and everybody taking those big contracts, and I think you explained it to me about like five or six years ago. We were talking about this, and I was just I was up in arms by LeBron's contract. Like, you know, see, this is why like he's always has an older team, blah blah blah. And you're like, bro, he has to do that because he has to set the bar at somewhere. Because if LeBron's getting paid twenty five yep. million dollars a year, that means your your fourth or fifth best player is going to get paid less than four or five. So right now. Saquon has now set the bar, and the next guy up is whenever his contract is up is Christian McCaffrey, and whenever that is, I think it's another couple of years. Please, who knows what his value is going yeah. to be? So ultimately, yeah. he's going to have to set the bar. And but Saquon the was the next in line. It's low, and everyone says why because no one is pressing it right, and no one thinks that they're a value to the team when. Most of the offense is run through them. <laughs> it's the reason so, why the next quarterback always gets paid. But the difference is every time one quarterback gets paid, they come in and they say, okay, now Justin Herbert's the most expensive. At one point, it was that press guy. You know, like that bar keeps moving up. But if the running backs don't just stand and say, all right, look, I'm at the top. I better hold them to the fire. Then the next running back doesn't get the next running back. The, the bar is not moving up. And everybody's just yeah. standing there. So I even looked back at a couple of years ago, and I wish if he would have did it when he had the chance to have been Derrick Henry because he was in a position where he was an MVP candidate, he hadn't been hurt, and he was literally like 60% of the Titans' offense. So if he could have held him to the fire, then maybe the next guy gets paid, the next guy gets paid. That's the same reason Lee's go on strike is because your whole goal is to not just set you up but also set up the future. And I'm not – it's no way the running backs can go on strike, but – it, essentially, the top couple guys have to eventually take an L or else they're never going to get paid. Because like John just said, and this has been a point forever, if you don't pay Saquon 11 mil, how in the hell am I supposed to justify paying, I don't know, let's say like the Steelers running back. You know, I'm a Steelers fan. How can Dodgy Harris, based on what he's done in his career, walk in and he asked for 11? He walk in there and he, he walk in, to Ke- or not Kevin Corbin, not the GA anymore. He walk in the con and asked for the 12 million next year. I'm as a Steelers fan, I'm laughing about the best. You're not better than Saquon. The hell, we look like paying him twelve. You better take your seven and go. Like that's that's what that's what you said. That's home. Well, not to mention that the fact that the salary caps are lower now in the NFL and they need to be reevaluated, re- um, definitely in the next CBA because ultimately receivers. I mean, uh, I just saw this today. Defensive tackle Chris Jones is expecting to get a fifty million dollar a year contract. And that's crazy for his age, too. Chris Jones is older, older defensive tackle, and he's going to get $50 million a year. I was like, what? <laughs> like, that don't make any sense he's to me. So, it all power. That doesn't so, make any sense. Yeah, Chris Jones wants fifty. Wants, expects to get $50 million a year, which would put him as, I believe, the second highest paid quarterback if he were a quarterback. Yeah. He'd be the second highest played player in the NFL. Right, exactly. Behind or third, actually, th- actually third because I think the what's my call it surpassed. Um, surpassed everybody. Yeah. So yeah. So now it's Herbert Mahomes, I believe. Yeah, Herbert Mahomes and Allen somewhere. Well, Hertz close is to up that. Too now. Hertz is up there now. Yeah, Hertz is contract. Hertz, no, Hertz is fifty million. Okay, yeah, so, so but okay, so but yeah. he's still. In the ballpark of a top five contract in the yeah, league, MVP quarterback, yeah. right, 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 right. Uh, by the way, McCaffrey, uh, right now, uh, according to what I've read, is he he's got that new extension with the Niners. It means yeah. he won't be a, <coughs> excuse 
excuse me, won't be a free agent until after the 25 season. So he's got a few years, so and at that three, point, he's so it's three he's years. Not he's not going to get. Yeah, that's his payday. So what's his no, average? He's not his what's his contract? So it's a backloaded contract over the next three right. years. Makes sense um, for that team. The yearly cash is about the same, but his AAV, so what he counts with, is uh, ten point eight, about ten point eight this year, uh, about eleven <laughs> next year, and about eleven point two the year after. The so, Sa- so, Sa- so Saquon needed to take that tra- that deal because he now is only making one million dollars or probably two hundred thousand more. Yeah, the bar didn't of move. that the bar didn't move at all, and that's the same thing with. I mean, and unfortunately, there's going to be. And here's the thing, right? With Le'Veon, we'll get to our first segment here soon. But um, the first, the one thing I said about Le'Veon, I said this to you earlier, Trey, is the fact that he kind of ruined it for for running backs because he was a top perennial running back at the time, right? He was a very well touted running back. He had a few injuries, right? But he sat out that one year of that franchise tag, and he was a great player. Then he came back, signed with the Jets, and everyone was like. Oh, the Jets are going to be a great team. They're going to dominate, blah, blah, blah. And he was a shell of himself. And he's been a shell of himself ever since he left that contract. Now, I don't know if that would have changed if he would have played that year. I don't know what would have happened, right? But if I remember correctly, if he took that contract, he would have been at like 18 or $19 million a year. Yeah, it was something crazy like that. And, Connor and the, next, the next highest paid running back was Zeke at 12. So... Him playing that much more would have set the bar. So there's a contradiction there that yes, if he would have taken the contract, the bar would have been set here at 18 million. But he didn't. And then he got paid, I think at like eleven or twelve or something right now, 13, 14 around there. But then came back and was like a shell of himself. So all of these teams are like, if they sit out, that's on them. We'll go get a another. Well, you back. have to remember something else in the franchise tag, and I don't remember the exact wording, but Mike probably does, but the franchise tag is something based on like the top five averages of the top or the average of the top five players' contracts. Mm-hmm. So right. if the top five players all got eleven million dollars, that means the franchise tag is not worth eleven million dollars. If we get an eighteen, we get a fourteen, we get a sixteen, we get a twelve, then now the average goes up. So every time somebody goes up, the average goes up. But if we Correct. all keep taking ten million dollar contracts, then the franchise tag doesn't even go up. So at a certain point, what happened with quarterback is the values of the top five was so much that it stopped being worth tagging quarterbacks because the average was entirely too much. The running backs bar won't move. So yeah, why wouldn't I franchise the guy for 10? If the running backs keep slowly moving that bar up, eventually the average is going to get to, let's say, $17 million. And the teams are going to say, am I going to franchise tag him? Or would I rather give him $12 million per year for three years, which most of the running backs that's what they're asking for is long-term longevity. So yeah, they are, they have to collab as a team, these running backs. I used to hate when you used to always see the corners used to always do this, like Richard Sherman, those guys, where they yeah. would get mad and complain about, I can't believe Antonio Camardi just got this crazy deal. And it's like, no, shut up. That's the best thing that can happen to you. You better, you pray, clap. But as soon as the next man gets a good deal, if I'm them, I'm excited. Because now if I think I'm the best corner, if I'm Jalen Ramsey and I see Richard Sherman get paid, now I'm like, oh, I know I can go in and ask for something crazy. Do you need, why wouldn't you want the guy in front of you to get paid? It only makes your value more in the long run. Yeah, I mean, and what value what I would like to know at this point is our newest segment here. And I'm going to change it up a little bit and throw it over to Mikey Mike and think about what, Mike, what's on your mind? What's on my mind this week? Yes, we are changing it up. It's not so much what's in my cup, 
but what's up here? And that is a scary thought. But what's on my mind this week, guys, is uh, something I found that is a little interesting. So we've had a lot of talk with uh, baseball this year, particularly how bad the Oakland Athletics are and how they will soon not be the Oakland Athletics. Right? Well, it just so happens that I came across the fact that this is not going to be the first time that the Oakland Athletics have played in Las Vegas. In 1996, due to construction on the Oakland Coliseum related to the Raiders moving back into Oakland and back into the stadium, mm-hmm. the A's, because of the construction not being done by the beginning of the season, had to play their first six home games at Cashman Field in Las Vegas. So there is a yeah. hidden history that not a lot of people know about where maybe it was always headed this direction anyway. And that's what's on my mind this week. Yeah, interesting. That's really interesting. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they already have like kind of like a table for it at this point. So mm-hmm. now they can, you know, they knew it worked then. Maybe it works, it's going to work now. That is pretty. That's pretty. <laughs> when was that? 96? 96. The Raiders were just moving back into the Coliseum. So that's when the big upper deck like grandstand things got put in for Raiders games, mm. which they called like the Davis Wall. The Mount Mount Davis or something, I think the fans were calling it at the time, but that wasn't finished yet, and so they had to. That's, the A's had to play in Vegas. You know so, what's sad about that is that the stadium got renovated in '96, like you were saying, mm-hmm. and or built, and yep. it's having all these problems that it's having. Yep. I mean, it's thirty, only thirty, almost less than thirty years old. Should stadiums really be having all this problem at this time? Like that's 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 something that you know I. I'm just confused about, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. less than 30 years old, and you're having yeah. all these problems with the stadium and whatnot. So that's it. Clearly, wasn't it wasn't apparently built as we can see to withstand time and earthquakes? Because that's the big damage that got done was during mm-hmm. the World Series in '89. Because it yeah, was literally Giants true. A's, and there was a massive earthquake during a game famously and yeah. it's it's never been the foundation of the stadium has never been the same since so they say i have not I mean, been there but yeah i mean I, I, at this point i don't want to go okay. yeah i'll just wait i'll just wait to go to a, a, a state, of vegas. Of, state of the art stadium in mm-hmm. in las vegas i'm yeah. cool with that we'll just, we'll right? just do that yeah i mean like vegas now is going to be popping i mean it, it's got like four four professional teams. Got the Aces, the Las Vegas Aces, mm-hmm. uh, former NBA champions or WNBA champions. I'm sorry, uh, the Stanley Cup champions. It's got mm-hmm. the Raiders, and now the Athletics. So, yep. could the Vegas be like the next hot city? I mean, I could definitely see that being the city. I mean, it's got a lot of attraction and everything, but I think it's more attraction from the locals than the, than the actual mm-hmm. tourists. Um, yep. A lot of times people don't realize that there's actually professional teams there. <laughs> and and it, there's one means there's one profession. There's going to be one professional league missing, which is the NBA. And there is a precedent for basketball in Vegas. Oh yeah. They already, they already announced it. Yeah. Well, they already announced it. They already announced it earlier this week. If you didn't see that Vegas and uh, Seattle are the next two expansion cities. 
Well, that's not official. That's just what they think. Uh, no, I thought that's what Adam Silver. No, yeah, it's that's it's not the, official. That's what it's the said. rumor coming out of the, that that's the league the office has decided it behind the scenes. Yeah, there's what? nothing official because they said. No, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll probably just. I mean, realistically, they don't really have to build anything for the NBA team. They could just go right to the T-Mobile Arena. Right. Sure. Right. They the just got to get a court. Right, they just got to get a court to put down, and they're fine. Yeah, that's not hard. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, it's no, not hard no, at all. But... And same with Seattle. Seattle's got us. They got the Climate Pledge Arena, which right, just got renovated. Which just got renovated, which is where they played before. Right. So, yeah, they'll just go back it. in there. So, about underrated sports cities, we're gonna get to our first topic of the week: overrated and underrated players in all leagues. Where each of us are gonna go around name a player. And how it's going to work is one, we're just going to rapid fire, and then we'll have the discussion about it. Um, so we'll we'll start off, and I'll say such and such. Mike, go, Trey, go, then I'll go last. Whoever says it goes last, but let's get it kicking off here. I'll throw it over to Mikey Mike to start okay. us off. The well, champion. Yes. <laughs> so I was going back and forth with a few different players, as usual, with a topic like this. And a name came into my head that John and I had talked about recently, and I believe Trey also is familiar with uh, the show he's been on recently. But I want to take it back to college for this guy. So, guys, I ask you, overrated or underrated, Oregon Marcus Mariota? Who goes first, Mike? Uh, I'll, I'll kick it to Trey first. Overrated. I didn't think about this. You know, the best thing he ever did, actually, he helped my Buckeyes get him win a championship. Honestly, when we got to that game, I was not concerned about that. Marcus Mariota, I remember in college, one of the reasons I was not big with him going to the NFL was he was very bad at hitting tight windows. So in my mind, I knew we had the corners, we had the DBs that were going to make stuff tight for him. So I just thought it was overrated. What they had good at the time was that whole – five seconds or less thing. But remember, they were just plugging guys in and out. Remember, Dennis Dixon was almost going to be the Heisman Trophy winner and he gets hurt. Uh, what was the other guy? He ended up uh, – I cannot remember the guy. It was after Harrington and between Dennis Dixon. I cannot remember the guy. But it was another – he ended up going to Ole Miss. I don't know if you remember that. I cannot remember this guy. It started with an M, I think. It's last name. You think you know what I'm talking about. He ended up getting in trouble up there if y'all can find it. But – uh, to me, yeah, it was definitely overrated. I mean, Oregon did what they did, but at the same time, you got to remember the Pac-12 uh, at the time was kind of already going down. USC wasn't, and USC's best state of the time. So, yeah, I definitely thought it was overrated. Now, I, I think he may have deserved his Heisman based on how the year went, but then part of me says that Jameis not necessarily deserved a Heisman. Was it one of those things that we weren't going to give that guy two Heisman in a row because – would have said that James Winston might have been, you know, still the best player in college football that year. So, nah, I was not as Ohio State fan. Worried with all of our sophomores. I knew what it was. As soon as we start putting Bose and those guys out there, I know Eli Apple can't cover a cold now, but he could back then. And I wasn't worried about that guy like that. But how do yeah. you feel about it, John? So this is, this one's a tough one. I I did not expect Mike to go this route. I thought he would go baseball, and because we him and I get into some heated discussions about baseball. Ah, this one's tough because when you talk about Marcus Mariota, you just see him in the NFL, right? So um, college, I would have to say you said the team, right? Or just him? I'm sorry. No, 
just him, but specifically him at Oregon. Not him overall in his career. But you're not saying – I'm saying, are you saying Oregon or are you saying Marcus Mariota? No, no, no. Him at Oregon. Marcus Mariota. Just him at Oregon. At Oregon. I think he's underrated. Here's my reasoning. Because he won the Heisman that year. And, yeah, it could have most definitely went to Jameis that year too. It could have most likely went to a few other cats. I mean, Melvin Gordon was up there on the stage. Uh, um, Amari Cooper had a dominant year at Bama. Uh, which y'all stopped in the national championship game, Trey. <laughs> so, um, and Melvin Gordon at Wisconsin too. Um, but I just think he was underrated. I don't think he had enough the hype. I think he had hype towards the end. Like when we got halfway through the season, I think we then we started, you know, seeing, okay, this was really – and then, all, of course, we saw him the year before, you know, with Jameis uh, winning it and whatnot. I think he finished second, I think. But, yeah, I mean – he was an underrated quarterback, really cool, even guy. I mean, he even said uh, in this quarterbacks documentary that I'm watching on Netflix, he even said that, like, you know, he was just going about his day. He wasn't really, you know, like, he wasn't into getting in the limelight. And I don't think, I think the media is what made it a little bit seem like overrated. But if you saw the player in a sense, he was kind of like underrated versus, you know, like a Baker Mayfield or some shit like that. Like that, you know, you're like, God damn, this guy didn't shut up. Versus, so I don't think him personally is overrated. I think it was, I see him as an underrated player in college. Um, but I but I do agree with Trey that I think you know the Pac-12 just ran into a buzzsaw, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, take it away. <laughs> I agree. Um, first of all, Trey, the guy you were thinking of was Jeremiah Masoli. That's the one. I knew it with him. Was, yeah, yeah, no. Um, and yes, he did get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I th- honestly think Mariota is underrated. And so I brought up his numbers for you guys because, as you know, I'm, I'm kind of a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, his junior year, his last year at Oregon. In 15 games, he had 4,454 passing yards, um, 10 yards in attempt, so a, t- a first down in attempt, and 42 touchdowns to four interceptions. But what I think really makes him underrated <coughs> – excuse me is his rushing ability in those 15 games. He had 770 yards for 15 touchdowns as a quarterback in, I know the pack 12, but still it's, he's kind of in the transition where it's everybody's starting to be able to run and there's less pocket patchers. But for me, on top of all that, on top of having such a successful junior year where he may have deserved that Heisman, you know, I think it's just, he embodied, Pac-12 football, that quick run and gun, highly athletic, like super exciting style that I think the Pac-12 has really become known for. And he excited the, you know, world of college football. He brought a lot of energy to it in a way that I think was better than a guy around that that time or, or, or you know, within a few years of him, Johnny Manziel. I mean, everybody looks at Johnny Manziel and the fantastic plays he made, but I think Mariota was overall a better player than Johnny. Well, oh, no. Oh, no. And as much as I sit on Jameis, oh, no. You got Wait, what? Wait, wait. Wait, what? You think Johnny is better than Jameis? No, he said Mariota. I do think Mar- Johnny was better than Mariota in college. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no sir. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, not no. at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, not even. No. Not even. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
going against? No, Trey, oh, Trey, you're man. not off. No, 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 Trey. He was playing in the Big Twelve still. He wasn't yeah. playing against. He wasn't in a. He wasn't in a uh, SEC yet. Didn't he beat Saban? I could have sworn it was a game where he beat Saban. And he's playing the Texas A&M. Be Saban, right? Am I wrong? I don't recall him beating Saban. I mean, it's possible. I thought he was still in the yeah. Big Twelve because he was. He was showing those like because that's why one argument I had with Mike is like that Marcus wasn't really Pac twelve Pac the Pac twelve weren't wasn't on. Yeah, I can actually show you Texas A and they beat Alabama twenty nine to twenty four at Alabama. I remember that game like it was yesterday. I'm actually looking at the stat card right now. I remember that game. Johnny Manziel went twenty four for thirty one, two hundred fifty three yards, two touchdowns. Okay, but they I, beat I, them at Bama. I'm like I remember watching that dude walk into Brian Denny Stadium and send Nick Saban home with his ass tucked between them. Okay, was that, I, was I that a non-conference game or was that a conference game? I'm just asking out of curiosity. I'm pretty sure they were in the conference because also that same game, James also rushed for 92 yards in that game. It was a crazy. That was great. I remember. I that was like when they first first got there. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like realistically, I see, I see Mariota as the better quarterback in that a- aspect. I think Johnny Manziel got a lot, a lot of lucky throws. I mean, we talked about this a lot. I mean, Johnny Manziel was a lucky player in my opinion i think he was like a flashy player and like he 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 embodied the running gun football which was a big 12 which was i was which i was going to disagree with mike is the pack 12 at that time was not running gun they were more systematic west coast offense chip kelly was a running gun offense his the pack 12 was not so that's why they ran through the pack 12 as much as they did because they were fast but giant men's body to and it was. I'm looking at right now. They were both years were the SEC. He had yeah, 13 the games SEC. both years. The second, the second year in SEC. I give Johnny Manziel credit because he was a walk on. I give him credit in that aspect. Yeah, 4,100 yards in SEC with 37 touchdowns. I don't know. And that competition, I get SEC show all the time. But that competition, that dude was playing was way better. Than uh, that form of the I will. I, I'll raise you one thing about that though. He had Mike Evans. Okay. Name me uh, name me a number one receiver prospect or someone that turned into a top receiver that was on that Oregon team. Okay, they didn't have a top prospect. I'll give you that. But I also say you tell me who he beat along the way as you if you give me the Marcus Mariota signature game. Because I just gave you the Jay Mazel one. They didn't play the, the championship year, they played Michigan State. They lost to Arizona, they revenged against Arizona later. I guess we must have Florida State team, but they struggled the whole year. If you go back and look at like who they actually were playing that year, Johnny Manziel and them. I mean, not Johnny Manziel, but I'm talking Mariota and them because, I, like I said, I'm just looking at a daily time and knowing that he was going against our team. Texas A&M wasn't what Texas A&M is now either at the time. He literally turned that program around. It wasn't like he was sitting out there, Jimbo Fish. It wasn't like he was sitting out there with this great coach at the time. Oregon was this innovative team that was ahead of the time. And like I told you, I just gave you all these examples. These other guys, they were plugging in Oregon and they were balling. Texas A&M before and after is not at anything the force of a Johnny Manziel, and I get Johnny Manziel shit all of the time. But I, I but, never. But you gotta admit, you gotta admit, Johnny Manziel's receivers. Johnny Manziel's receivers did bail him out three quarters of the time. You, we yeah, watched those games, man. We watched those games. He, th- he threw the ball up in the air. Like, yeah, I'm not saying it isn't, but it's eager also to get a quicker runoff if everybody's still scrambling and you at the line snapping when everybody else ain't out here. Because that's a lot of what those Mariota rushing yards and shit was, too. 
he's snapping the ball three seconds. And I know but that's part of the system. So right. I think a lot of my thing with the Oregon thing, why I think he's already because a lot of Oregon is system. I don't know if he necessarily better even Dennis Dixon at Oregon, but Dennis Dixon towards ACL because before that, shit was booming when Dennis Dixon was right there too. Shit was booming when uh when uh what the whatever the guy, Jer- Jeremiah Masoli, when he was out there, shit always is booming with that quarterback. That quarterback is like going to play for Shanahan at quarterback. Whoever the fuck goes out there looks good. You can't say that about the AM squad. And that's why I'm not saying that Mike Evans and Bell. You're saying basically, you're basically saying like you can't throw anyone. You you can you you can throw you can throw anyone on that Oregon team and be probably just as successful. But you can't throw anybody on that Texas A&M team and be just as successful. Yes, because he changed the culture. All Mariota did was show up as the exact same person everybody was before him, and everybody's been happy. I mean, I can see that, but I also looking at the offense that 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 A&M team had when he won the Heisman. That that AM offense was cold. I mean, it was. I mean, it had some it NFL studs. I can't remember off the top of my head. I have to look at the roster, but I I don't know who went to Texas AM. That was like what ten years ago. So I mean, um, no, that's why I, I didn't remember the one from there. Okay, so I, just to bring. But I know they had a good ass offense. So to bring up the box score from that game, Ryan Swoop, Kevin McNeil, Malcolm Kennedy, Thomas Johnson. Those are the receivers, other than Mike Evans in that game. Running back Ben Molina. And Christian Michael was a freshman. That those are your people. How many of those guys? You heard Christian Michael for a quick second in the NFL. How many mm-hmm. other people you ever heard of in the NFL? I know Mike yeah. Evans is there. I'm not saying he wasn't important, but y'all act like he was playing. This one of them Alabama situations where it was him playing with Amari Cooper and all those guys. Because what I'm gonna do real quick is I'm gonna bring up the other side of this. And remember, Amari Cooper's over there playing. Eddie Lacy, T.J. Yeldon, McCarron. That's who he was going against in that game. Like that was, you know. So that's why I'm like, I don't know about that because I'm. Okay, I'll I'll match you stat for stat, Trey. I've pulled up the roster from the twenty from his freshman year, twenty twelve Texas A and M, right, with with all of these players on them. Yeah. On the season, Mike Evans, the also the freshman, the they're at, with their combo had eighty two receptions that year for one thousand one hundred five yards. Okay. The next highest was. What is that? Uzo? I don't even want to mispronounce his name. Can't say his man's name. We don't even know who this guy is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 25 receptions for 488 yards. Okay, so that tells you who he had one guy. That says a lot. Right, that bailed him out all the time. Yeah, but Johnny Manziel is also rushing the ball, too, without having the whole rushing scheme. So was Marcus Mariota. Yeah, but that's also a rushing offense at a rushing scheme. Like I said, okay. that was basically the offense. I, I, I'm still waiting for one of y'all to see me with who did he actually beat at Oregon. That was worth a damn. You give me the signature game, the signature team he beat. Texas and Florida State. Texas and Florida State. What did Texas have at that time? Florida State, I may give you. I don't know about the Texas thing. Well, I don't know about the Texas. I don't know about the Texas thing either because, you know, it it could be Texas the name, but it couldn't be the Texas actually that we're thinking of like Vince Young, Texas. I mean, that's a very special team, but I'm I'm just giving that type of context. I don't know. I don't know. When, When was that? When was that year? 2013. Damn, that was a long time ago. <laughs> they went <laughs> seven and two. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that, bro. Like that's like that's when Trey yeah, met. <laughs> like, that was a long time. Not, I, mean, I mean, Trey, we were sitting there watching Johnny Manziel. We, I mean, come on now. We were watching we it. We watched it. We what? We watched that game together. Well, that's why I was like, "What do you mean you didn't play against Alabama? Me and you watched them play Alabama together." Well, I didn't remember. I I've sworn they were still in the Big Twelve. 
at the no, time. I didn't realize. I don't know. I I, I didn't I realize how long the game was. We went and got a whole bunch of wings, and you ate forty five wings and ate five. I remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the next person. Who <laughs> yeah, wants, yeah. So, Mike, yeah. who do you want to go next? Uh, <laughs> since you agreed with me, John goes next. All right, so I had a list of people, man. Like, this was tough. I don't know. There's a lot of overrated and underrated players in every league there is. But this guy, I think, is very tough to kind of judge, right? And this is Cam Newton. Mr. Mister Celebratory Cam Newton. So I want to know what you guys think. Is he overrated or underrated? NFL. Okay, I was going to say, are we talking right. total Cam Newton, college Cam Newton, or NFL? So we're talking NFL Cam Newton. I, I realistically, you can do anyone you want. You can do anything okay. if you want. Well, see, to, see the but th- don't get, but don't get, but don't. You can't give three answers. You just got to give one. Is Cam Newton overrated or underrated? That's it. You okay. can't go because he's in college because he's in NFL. Totality. Is he overrated or underrated? Mike, go ahead. <sighs> You've thrown a wrench into That's not an my answer. answer. <laughs> overrated. He's overrated. Um, I because oh, I'm getting to it. He's about to uh, he's about to drop the mic and walk out. <laughs> Done. <laughs> he he's overrated. I think in co- in college he was very good. I think he got exposed for his you know kind of not flash in the pan, but he his star burned bright when it burned but it burned quickly. I think he fell very short of all of the expectations put in front of him once. And, and partially, I think partially that's his fault. I think he took, I don't think he was willing to take a role that would get him to continue his career after the injuries. He seemed to still think that he was going to be, or it made the assumption he could still be, uh, like MVP Cam Newton before he hit the field again. Um, I just think. Hmm? What type of role you, would he take? I'm interested to hear that. Like what are you talking about by take a different role? Well, at the, at the time there was a lot of talk in the fact that he was going to have to be a backup. If he wanted to be on a good team or a team that was going to give him a long-term deal, it would have to mm-hmm. be as a backup. Okay, and so he took the Patriots deal where he didn't fit at all. He didn't fit the culture, and he didn't fit what Belichick seemingly, by by all accounts, he didn't fit what Belichick wanted to do with the team. And so okay. it just it's never been something that works. And I just think I think he's a, he was a guy with a lot of talent that got hurt and never adjusted to what he needed to be in the sense of style wise. And so I, I just, I think his skill set ended up being overrated. Trey, Trey underrated. Cam is underrated. Cam for a guy who won an MVP gets shitting on something crazy. I just remember him having to throw to like Ted in no offense to Ted in I love my Buckeyes, but Ted in at no point has ever been a number one person in his career. And he had to basically do it with the likes of a Ted Ginn to lead his team to a, to a Super Bowl. Yeah, they lost the Super Bowl, but that leads your team all the way to the Super Bowl with that being your best person. They had no type of running game. And, and, and you look confused there. 
I mean, you tell me what other, what other great receiver they have on that Carolina team. Mike? Steve Smith. Steve Smith was not on that Carolina team. No, he was not. He was on the Ravens by then. He played with Ted Ginn as the number one receiver. So you tell me, who is he playing with on that Carolina team? When you go back and look at that Auburn team, who is he playing with? Y'all want to say that as far as NFL people. He wasn't playing with anybody at Auburn. It basically was him. The man won an MVP. He's been all pro. He's had a couple uh, pro bowls, you know, things such as that. I mean, what else can you ask for from a number one player, especially a team that had all defense with no all, with no offensive weapons? He was the best running threat for the team as well as the pass. Everything, he was basically 80% of the offense. You got to take him out. Cam Newton has the most rushing touchdowns for the quarterback in NFL mm-hmm. history. At all time and as the most in one season, they were asking a lot of him. He was their goal line threat for everything. Everybody wants to go up and kiss Josh Allen's ass for. We already seen this shit before. People act like this Josh Allen's some brand new shit. The quarterback comes in, he runs on the goal line, he's running dudes over. We need a fourth one. We just put him in there. We don't give a fuck who's running back. You got one receiver and, mm-hmm. and you know, okay, tight end or whatever. That we literally seen this team. It was the Carolina Panthers, was Cam Newton. The only difference is one dude was dancing and one dude ain't. We've seen this shit before. Man, everybody want to watch Tony Roman, all these guys kiss ass, talk about the great Josh Allen and all that. You've seen this before, and that's just facts of life. Yeah, Josh Allen, maybe he's improved more on the accuracy and things such as that. So there's an evolution there, but no, Cam has gotten underrated because Carolina never did anything around him to actually help him all that time. He didn't have shit to go to. Mm-hmm. Who do you find, Mike? Greg Olson. Okay, so we had Greg Olson as an agent, Greg Olson, and then he had Ted Gein, who I guess you tell me, Mike. You think Ted Ginn's our number one? No, I mean he didn't. You think he's I, number I, two. <laughs> Ted Ginn is not number two. And so, I love Ginn Depp. He's one of my favorite all-time Ohio State players. He is not number two. So you're basically talking about Greg Olson, who wasn't in his prime, and Ted Ginn, who probably should have been a three, and that's what led them to who's the running backs in the roster? You got it up, right? Who was the running back? Yeah, Jonathan, they're, they're, Jonathan Stewart. Jonathan Stewart. Stewart aging at that point. The aging. Mike right. Tol- yeah. I mean, I don't. Mike Tolbert. Mike. Mike Tolbert was a was a was a he was a meatball. <laughs> yeah, All right, so I'll give I'll, I'll, I'll give mine. Hold on, I'll give mine. Okay. I'll yeah. give mine. So hell no, he ain't overrated. This is the one of the best college players that we have ever seen in one season. He put together one of the best seasons, and you can shake your head no, but come on now, let me know another season like that. Number one. Number two, this man, and I agree with Trey, he never gets the respect he deserves. This dude has pure skill on the football field. And no, it is not because he wouldn't want to adapt. Teams wouldn't want to adapt to his playing style. And his playing style is he can throw the ball as far as Josh Allen, and it's just it's accurate. And he can run faster. I don't think the injuries played a factor. I think what happened was guys just didn't want to take a risk on his quote-unquote injuries, but never wanted to put anybody around him. They never could. The reason why he had to run so much is because they didn't have a running game. The running backs wouldn't find – you can have names that have had good games, right? You can say Jonathan Stewart had some good games. Mike Tolbert had some good games, goal line guy. But he's not a guy that can find different holes in the the offense to to break open – that's what a good running back does, and he just never had that. He never had guys open. Guys would run their routes and just sit in their routes, never run. That's why he had to run a lot. So I think he's the most disrespected player in the league in probably NFL history because of how his talent is. He's probably one of the best picks in our in our generation coming out of college 
that has been has done nothing but work his ass off to stay in the league, stay in shape, stay out of trouble. And yes, he did get in trouble at Florida. That's the reason why he got booted and went to junior college and ended up, ended up being Cam Newton, who we love. But he hasn't been in trouble since. Has done everything he can. He works his ass off. He's not out partying. He's not out doing anything. And I do agree with that video. Yes, he is one of the best thirty-two quarterbacks in those league. And I think he could. I think he could step in at any of these teams. And they just didn't want to take a chance on him for some odd reason because he opens his mouth. And in my opinion. He talks too much. So what? So is Josh Allen. Josh Allen don't shut up. Like, <laughs> realistically, like Patrick Mahomes, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes don't shut the fuck up either. I'm watching this quarterback saying, I'm so annoyed by Patrick Mahomes' voice. I, I'm, I'm like, God damn. I, can't, I don't know how I can play 17 games with this guy. No wonder it's a four-month season. But, like, how can you say he's overrated in the fact that this is probably one of the most skillful players we've ever seen in college in his position to do what he did? And I mean, man, in eight years, I'm yeah, I'm only saying eight years. I know he played an extra two, but in eight years, he had 32,000 yards, 194 touchdowns, yay, 123 picks. But he went went to three Pro Bowls. He was a 2015 MVP, he's AP Player of the Year, he's Best Bell Award. He's won all these awards. Like he has a 59.9 percent completion rating. Like. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how he's under overrated to anybody, to be honest with you. I think he's a, he's a pure talent. I like the guy. I always want him on the Eagles. But, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with Trey with that with that analysis because it's, you know, I just don't think – I don't think injuries play a factor because I don't think you look at the team and, like, the team not wanting to put guys around them to help them. You go get him a Christian McCaffrey? Hell, yeah. That might, <laughs> I guarantee he's probably not running the ball as much. He already started dumping it off to him. I guarantee he would love to play with a guy like that. And that would have saved some of his career. It just would have. So, yeah. I, I, and people always think, Yo, why are you such a big Cam Newton fan? I don't know. I really don't. I, I never thought I would be. But, like, I just love his his style, his, the way he plays the game. I mean, he just looks like he's a man amongst men in a league. That's what I see it, right? He's a man amongst men in a league full of men. But <laughs> Like that's why that's why I see, he makes the game look so tiny, and and it just it it amazes me to see a player at that athleticism. Yeah, I mean, I'm not Cam Newton. Okay, so for me, <clears throat> Cam Newton, <clears throat> the college quarterback, and Cam Newton, the NFL quarterback, are two completely different people. I don't think so at all. I think <laughs> he, he got better. better. <laughs> what team does he play for right now? I he's mean, that older. was 12. He's older. He's 30, he's 30 older. 40 years old, bro. Okay, what success has he had in the last five, six years? He's older. He hasn't even been in last year. So five, six years ago, he wasn't older. Five, six okay, years so ago, he was two years removed from an MVP. Uh, what are you, he was five years from what? From an, M- an MVP. MVP the most an MVP. Player. How many people get the MVP? So how are you going to disrespect that and say he's MVP and then say, well, this guy sucks? You tell me about an MVP then, because your boy Eli over there ain't got a motherfucking regular season MVP. You be telling me about how Eli is this great, oh, my God, I get jumped on the back. Eli can sniff that man's jock strap. All he did was get carried by some goddamn defenders, and now you want to tell me, oh, the great Cam Newton, the Eli man and this great Hall of Famer who gets carried by people. Yeah, no, fuck that. Oh, hey, listen, Eli Manning has two Super Bowl MVPs. 
Yeah, he has two Super Bowl MVPs doing what? How many regular season MVPs does he have with actual consistency? Who does he play with? You say who did Cam Newton play with, you better go look up the roster. When you talk about who Eli Manning played with and we start talking about the Plexico Burris and stuff like that, that is way better than what Cam Newton ever had to play with at any time. If you give Cam Newton on the Giants, that would be your favorite fucking player. Don't act like you wouldn't have been. If you would be talking about Cam Newton was so great, Cam Newton had you four Super Bowls if you played for there. Eli Manning is a stiff. Don't play that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a- actually, to, to your points, no, he wouldn't have four Super Bowls with the Giants because they never gave Eli an offensive line either. Even though, but you know the difference why he needed because he could have ran. Eli couldn't run. Eli was on his ass. Eli was not going to run. Cam Newton would have ran because he never had a line. You see what happened when he didn't have a line? He figured out how to run. You see what happens when your best running back has to go 200 carries and Jonathan Stewart and he has 900 yards? Cam Newton has to go for 130 carries and he gets 680 yards because he's running, because he can do that. That gives him another skill set that Eli Manning never had because that's something else that Cam Newton had. So what you're going to actually ask me this, you think Eli Manning is better than Cam Newton? Regular season or playoffs? No, in general. This is the whole scope of a career. This isn't about this isn't about three games. Because a lot of y'all want to put with Eli Man in three games and act like the rest of these season don't exist because he got three good games. Because I guess next you're gonna tell me Joe Flacco better too, because he had a he had a streak of three games. Eli Man had No, because Eli didn't have a streak of three games. Eli holds the Iron Man streak for the league. And, okay, so even more, why didn't he do more than with the Iron Man streak? You got one man who was in every game, and he never got an MVP or anything like that. Another guy was, as you said, hurt at times, and he was able to figure out what to do in the time he had with a very limited time. And I would say he got more done the regular seasons than that dude did who was the Iron Man. He was there all the time, right? Well, let, let's just let's just say that, like, ultimately we, we made an example about these quarterbacks. We also said to these quarterbacks, like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, everything, that they can't keep doing what they're doing and expect to have a long career. Because we right. said that about Cam Newton. We right. did say that about Cam Newton. So if that, yeah, if we always it, said about Cam. But 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 that was all. I've always said that about him. That he needs to take less carry. He needs to take stop stop taking these bruises. But when your quarterback is running over linebackers that weigh two hundred and eighty five pounds. At six foot four, and you call him overrated? How is he overrated? Well, and that's he's running, he, he's running in these guys over, though. That's what I'm saying. He's not taking the hit. He's running through them. And that's what you do. So you don't how is that getting worse in the NFL? That's what I don't understand. In college, he was doing it, too, but he even did it to grown-ass men. We already say that the college game, and we've heard it from Derrick Henry, the college game is completely different than the NFL game. These are these are the best of the best. And, he, and Cam Newton was making these guys look like fools. And he was calling out plays. And he was intelligent. He was knowing what they were running there. Hey, you're running zone read. Oh, you're you're running, you're running man here. You're gonna blitz. You got the safety blitzing. Like you hear those on the calls. Like he was intelligent. The reason why I don't know why. I can't give a reason why teams don't want it, didn't want to sign him. Right? If you're talking about right now in the last five or six years, okay. Like, yeah, I mean, teams just didn't. Put him on the field. I don't know. I can't. Right, but, I can't. but here's my thing is I'm what I'm saying is is that we're talking about his 2015 MVP season and right. what like that happened last year. I'm not, no, we're not talking about the current day. We're it talking happened, about their career. I'm just talking about his career. We're talking his about his career. Right. And what did he and but that's my thing. What did he do after that? His career is overrated. We talk about him because he had that one amazing and it was. We no, had an amazing. No, I talk about him. I talk about his entire career. Right, but his entire, his entire career, career was not amazing. a success. It's not How's a it success. Not? He's literally he was literally a three time Pro Bowler. How was he not? What he had more than one good year. What are you talking about? I'm not saying he didn't have more than one good year, but we talk about him like he's he won a Heisman. Like trophy. he was consistent. 
like he was consistently a top ten quarterback. We never said a decade quarterback. He was not. He was. No, but I'm saying it gets his career gets talked about like he was, and he wasn't. How did he get talked about like like that? After those three Pro Bowl years, what has he done? But you talk about this as if people weren't. When we say over and underrated, how many people do you see like, oh, they should put Derek Anderson? And you people want to put Derek Anderson because they want to get rid of Cam because he no, talked. No, but I mean, I'm not gonna. Okay, so bringing it back to Eli real quick, I'm. No one was clamoring for David Carr to play. Okay, this can get uncomfortable, but let's be real about this. Certain things with Cam, where he was a little more flashy and stuff like that, people took a little more offensive. Eli's a safe pick, so a lot of people like that shit because Eli's this safe motherfucker who looks like some dude that's, you know, on the golf channel, and so many people feel comfortable with that. And that's the cold reality. Because at the end of the day, you say his one season. What are you talking about Eli outside of his two seasons? The two seasons where the defense carried him. What are we talking about with him? When we just talked about bailout catches, the best thing in Eli's career was a bailout catch off of somebody's helmet. We talk about Eli Manning. When you say that type of thing, we talk about Eli Manning. You talk about a sixty point three percent career passing percentage, and everybody talks about Cam so inaccurate. Cam's at fifty nine, so I don't even see that much of a difference of that. Then you add the legs in there, and those type of factors. No, you talk about the Giants, and that's your Giants, Mike. That is a much better organization, a much better ran team, a much better. They have much better stability and coaching. He didn't have that over there because we want to talk overrated. Ron Rivera was overrated, and he carried that man to his next three jobs. Because Ron Rivera ain't been shit without him. And the reason why Cam, most of the time, and they even said the reason why Cam didn't get signed is because he was in the meetings with his agent. So he was doing a lot of talking. So a lot of times it may have been just, hey, this guy don't shut up, like type of thing. And I knew that sometimes. Like, yeah, he's a big talker, but, like, so is a lot of guys in the fucking league, man. Richard Sherman never shut the hell up. You know, Patrick Holmes, I mean, I'm watching this quarterback. I didn't realize how much he talks, but, man, he annoys me. Now I know every time I watch a game, I know he's going to be talking. And when he's saying, I'm him, I'm him, I mean, I guess he can He hold. is him, though, I'll be honest. He is. He is. He is. I'll give him that, but he's just <laughs> – yeah, it's just kind of like, God damn, bro. He, he, no, he is. He's He's – one of the greatest quarterbacks. We would all trade our quarterback to him right now. Correct. Hundred. Uh, not me. So can we? Can we potentially <laughs> agree skill set? What skill set wise? Cam Newton walked so Pat Pat Mahomes could run. No, I think he huh? walked so Josh Allen could run. To be honest, not even Pat. Yeah, I think it's Josh that's, that's true. Pat, Pat, Pat doesn't take the hit. Pat doesn't yeah, take the hit. That's true. That's Pat, true. Josh, remember we we compare Josh Allen. We compare Josh Allen to Cam Newton all the time. We say Josh Allen can't keep taking these hits because Buffalo yeah. Bill fans are going to be really pissed off in about three or four years when Josh Allen is limping off the field and he can't right, he yeah. can't even move. And that's exactly what we saw from Cam Newton because he didn't have a team around him. You would think a, a player of that skill set, you're gonna you're gonna stack around him. They didn't, and he and, they and he had a But you're saying what he, what did he do? And I know why you're saying that because you're saying what I always say is did he have a successful career because he didn't win a Super Bowl? And in my head, I think baseball and p- football are completely different sports in that aspect because you do have a shorter window. But I do get your point in that that you know it, is it success? No, it's not a success if you don't win a Super Bowl. And I think if you ask. Cam Newton, that you probably he probably say the same thing. I probably want to have. I would love to have a Super Bowl. So I see where you're saying is successful because I've said that before about players. They have a great career personally, but as a team game, they haven't had a good one. But he did have bring that Carolina Panthers organization to a winning franchise. They were a winning franchise every single year that he was there. Most of the time, it may have been ten and six. It may have been you know no, nine, no, I- eight and eight, but you know it was winning at the end of the day. So. But we got to get on to that next one, our final finale 
our fireworks. Are we done, Trey? <laughs> no, we're, we're talking. We're, we're talking over Trey Day. Speaking of Eli Manning, I'm just gonna bring this to is Daniel Jones. Is he over or underrated? Mike, I need to hear you go first. Oh, geez. Um, I mean, I have to go underrated right now, and that's not to say like I think he's, you know, a top five quarterback in the league, but I think he has. A, I personally think, and this again, I will fully admit this may be colored by Giants bias, but just, just a tad, just a tad. <laughs> um, being that I'm more trying to speak this into existence that he's good, but. No, I think he has a, an underrated skill set in the sense that he's a lot more athletic than he looks like he would be. Because to Trey's point about Eli, uh, this he's he's another guy that looks like he should be on the golf channel. Yeah, but he, he um, yeah, I mean he's 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 <laughs> white bread. To the, he's yeah. he's white bread to the core. Oh, he's way more athletic than Eli. But Eli, he has, yeah, but if you see them standing next to each other, he doesn't really look like he should be. Yeah. Um, except for being a little more like physically he's a little taller and a little more toned he's a little bit bigger than Eli seemingly was but I think he's got a much better for me um he's improved so much in his vision of the field his ball security that was a big thing for him and going into last year I think Brian Dable like the success he had with Josh Allen the accuracy he recognized that Jones as if you got Jones to be more secure with the ball and not go with his first option all the time and actually mm-hmm. use like his progression, he would be a better player. So I think, I think his skill set is underrated. And I personally, as a Giants fan, hope that that translates into more success. Please. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, John. my turn. My turn. He is overrated. Oh, Jesus. And the reason by he's overrated. <laughs> And I'm gonna put the facts in front of you, Mike. He what 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 when did he go in the first round? Sixth. Okay. For the for the sixth round, for the sixth pick pick in the draft, top ten pick <laughs> in a forty million dollar quarterback now that they just gave him a year. <laughs> I should not my dependency should not be on a coach. It should be dependent on my skill set. And he has not had the right right skill set around him, but he has Saquon freaking Barkley, right? Best running back in the league. One of the best running backs in the league. Yeah. In my head, in my in what? That's what Cam would do with that play. (laughs) In my head, I think he's got he's had the tools. He has had, yes, he has had, and I'll put give it to your point. He's had four coaches in his first four years. But in my head, if you're a sixth pick, you come in and make you come and make your own. You build your coach around you, in a sense, if that makes any sense. So, like, you're gonna build your coaching style around Daniel Jones, and that's not that's not what you do with your sixth pick. He was picked way too high, so this is why I'm saying he's overrated. Now, if you tell me you picked Daniel Jones in the fourth round and whatever pick. Okay, and I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. He's a developing quarterback. He needs to develop. With your sixth pick in the draft, he's got to be NFL ready today, and he was not NFL ready. He was a fourth-round, fifth-round pick, in my opinion. He was a developing quarterback. So when you look at the the totality, yes, he's overrated because he got a $40 million quarterback. That's just the facts. You're paying $40 million because of one good season. One. An okay playoff game. 
and then a playoff loss. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's an overrated quarterback. I don't think he's. Um, but if you're telling me switch it around, he gets drafted fourth round. I'm I'm agreeing with you, Mike. He's underrated. He hasn't had this, the people to help develop him. Having four coaches in four years, five have five OCs in four years. That's tough, right? You got to learn a new playbook. But he's overrated because of the because of the situational that the Giants put him in, in my opinion. Tough. You know who's not over you know who's not overrated? Who? You know who's very underrated? Brian Murphy. Who's Brian Murphy? The agent of Daniel Jones. How the hell did he get that contract? I don't know. I need an explanation. I think Daniel Jones is very, and I mean very, very overrated. You know who else I feel bad for? Saquon Barkley. Because you know why he didn't get paid? Because they paid Daniel Jones. What did Daniel Jones done for this team this time? Well, let's just go through some facts real quick. Daniel Jones, contract, four years, $160 million. $81 million guaranteed contract. Top 10 all-time value of a contract. Mm-hmm. How many touchdowns did Daniel Jones throw last year? 15 touchdowns. 15. Let's count them up. 15. How many times did he sack? Wait, he year? did? 40. Yeah. 15 touchdowns last year. I thought he threw 24. No, he threw 15. Who oh, else okay. threw 15 last year? Two. Who had concussions a lot of the year? Tua. Who else threw 15 touchdowns last year? Russell Wilson. They both threw more touchdowns than Daniel Jones last year. Who was right behind him? Davis Mills. The infamous Davis Mills was right behind him with 14 touchdowns. Also, last year, we talk about uh, yardage. Davis Mills, more yards than him. They were right there with each other. Like, right there. We're talking about Davis Mills, third-round draft pick. Let's go to John's point of him being a number six draft pick in the thing. Now, we're going to talk about your boy Eli. Yeah, you know what I will give Eli credit for? Eli came through the big moments. What's Daniel Jones' record in primetime games? One and nine. When the lights come on bright, that man is one and nine. So, basically, Daniel Jones is an okay quarterback as long as he plays at one o'clock. But when we say okay, let's excuse that. Let's look at his overall career. What is his record in four seasons as a starter? 21-31-1. and That is below average. That is 10 games below average. That makes you a very below average at best quarterback. Because what it might just say before we talk about Eli Manning, oh, he got teams. Let's talk about the guy's speed. Well, let's talk about this man, a number six draft pick, four years. He ain't got no MVP. I ain't seen shit from Daniel Jones. What I seen from Daniel Jones is a bunch of mediocrity, Saquon Barkley getting paid $11 million while that guy's on his coattails. Don't come here and tell me about he ain't got no weapons with him because when we talked about Cam Newton, it was okay. He don't need weapons, right? I saw Cam Newton carry the team and just be told that he ain't did shit. What I see with that guy is Davis Mills playing equal ball with him with his third-round pick. Because the truth is, maybe he's just as good as Davis Mills. Now go ahead, Mike. I see you sting. Okay, well, so a few things. A, I have never, ever, ever defended Daniel Jones being the sixth pick. He should have been 17th. He was not making but it, it But it happened. So like, that's, But it did happen, I un, I, and I understand so that. That's not his fault. You have to step up. It that's, wasn't Cam Newton's fault. He went first. But I understand. Like, I'm but not. that, but that excuse. That, that, but that's that. That's saying that, like, it, it, oh, it's not his fault. You know, it's not. His, yeah, it know, is his fault know. because he you know played what? well. He okay. played well in the combine. You know what? You know what? Don't even worry <laughs> about him being a six pick. He's now the top ten highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Let's talk about it. Twenty one yeah, and thirty one. That listen, I didn't think he was getting that deal either. That's a I product told you of getting that deal. That's Did a product. Well, that's a product of the market. And the fact that they didn't have any other options. Uh, his record, I will put partially on him and the fact that the team has not put a team, a good offensive team around him. Until that sounds very familiar. 
Hope, hopefully this year. Yeah, it does. It does. And, I've not, and, I've, and I'm not. Guy you think Daniel Jones is going to get MVP ever? Probably not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Doesn't mean he's not going to have a better career. Then who? Then who? Cam. He thinks he's going to have a better career than Cam. No MVPs. 21 to 31. 1 to 9 at prime time. The man can't win at the 1 o'clock. Okay. I mean, the team can't win. Schedule. The team right, can't. All right, Trey. Trey, let Trey, Trey, let 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 Mike finish his point here. <laughs> also, uh, to your point, he has not always had Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley missed almost an entire season with an ace torn ACL. You're right. And you know right. what great players do? They win oh when they don't God. have much around them. Now, Mike, okay, Mike the, whole, the only, the only, reason, why, the only reason, reason why we're saying this and we're saying this in a, in a sense is because he was a sixth pick. Whether he wanted it or not, whether you wanted it or not, he was. He performed good at his pro days. Right. He performed good, and he's a great seller of himself. And that's right. kudos to him because he sold himself and beat a sixth pick, right? So, right. He, so when you're looking at the sixth pick in the draft, he needs to be NFL ready. Or he's a bust. Well, that's but that's also why I'm even looking past the draft and saying, but he has his current contract. So I am going to have to judge him. Even if we say hypothetically wasn't drafted in the sixth round, what I currently see right now is a man who's one of the highest ten play quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. So I okay. do gotta somewhat look at this accordingly at that point. It is something that something gotta give right there, right? I understand that. But are if someone, whether you deserve it or not, if the New York Giants come to you with a forty million dollar a year contract, are you gonna say no? You're not, but I'm just still saying already because he shouldn't even been even thought of like that. Correct. Why was he even thought of like that? You said yourself, you just immediately said it. You didn't think he was gonna get that contract. No, I don't I don't think he's worth that. Well, are you satisfied with that contract right now as a Giants fan? I mean, I would rather have it I would honestly have rather it gone to Saquon, yes, but <laughs> the for the sake of keeping a, a quarterback that I know can start I as some shit. <laughs> as opposed to yeah, it would have. Um, <laughs> or I, I should say a, a contract like that, like relative to running it. backs, um, which is that $14 million franchise tag that you could have gotten. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. Well, David Jones had a better agent for sure. Oh, whoa, uh, oh, sure, for sure, for sure. Way better agent Saquon's agent. Yeah, I mean, Go realistically, on. like, Daniel Jones <laughs> is overrated for – it's all the facts. It's all the facts I'm laying out there, even the, the contract, draft pick, everything about it, right? Like, good quarterbacks make it for what you are. Like, Patrick Mahomes had a bunch of ones. Yes. not not. I'm sorry. I misspoke. He had a bunch of threes and possibly twos on his team last year, won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but that's not – that is, that is Mike. He's a he's a low draft pick, and he became. Look at he made he made his team better, and that's what you do. You make your team better, regardless. They had Kadarius Tony, and apparently Kadarius Tony wasn't fitting. How was he not? That because your quarterback isn't there. It's, no, no, that's it's not, not why he wasn't. It's fitting. not Dable's guy. Okay, but why? How is he not Dable's it guy? It wasn't in my the opinion? organization's guy. The only How, person the organization in the or- drafted him. No, Joe Judge drafted him. He's part of the organization. He was the head coach. He convinced he. They said, "Fine, if you think you can do something with him, take him." Now that's their fault. Yes, but yes. No, but by all accounts, pretty much no one else in the organization wanted him. They all wanted someone else, but they trusted that Judge was. They wanted 
See, the thing is, is it, it comes. It's the fact that Judge comes from the Saban Belichick tree. They thought they might be getting their Saban or Belichick, so they let him do his thing. Well, I mean, and I'm then when at, they I mean, fired look at Kadarius him, Tony. Now he's a Super Bowl champion, okay. and was the leading sure. team on leading player on that team scored, I think, one touchdown in that game. So I mean, look at him now. Like that, I mean, it looks like egg on your face getting that trade. I mean, he could have been your one, but even though you guys don't have him. But they wouldn't have used him like that, though. That's the thing. Right. But, I mean, he you went still to have a better, another He went to a better place. He went to a better place. He wasn't – I don't think he does that with the Giants because he's not going to get used the way Kansas City used him. Yeah, right. Well, you know, that was a little heated debate about who overrated and underrated. Mike, we beat you up pretty well, but we're going to let you lead off the next – the next uh, – um, next topic here. We got in college football currently, we have a new announcement. Um, the Big Ten is reorganizing, reorganizing their their uh divisions. So now it's gonna be one conference. That's it. No division, no nothing. Do you prefer conferences to have divisions or no? No, Mike? Quick, no that's starting not this season, next season. Next season, right? Yes. 24 for the new college football playoff format. Correct, so correct. Mike. I prefer them to not have divisions, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm tired of seeing these big conferences with a bunch of good teams on one side. A bunch of successful teams on one side. I'm looking at you, SEC. Beat each other up for a place in the SEC championship game when they both deserve, when there's more than one team in that division that deserves to be in the conference championship game, but they can't be because of how the divisions are laid out. So I prefer that there be no divisions and that way mm -hmm. when we get to conference championship season, the two best teams in the conference are playing each other as they deserve to. So that's me. Trey? Yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I like, I'm, I agree with Mike. I want one division partly for the same reason Mike said at the end of the day a lot of these conferences are not bound so it's somewhat becomes a masquerade so I have to put a couple quick examples here so there was a stack and and I remember seeing this in a game recently so Iowa has not beat Ohio State and Michigan in the same season since 1962 they've all been the big 10 since 1917 but how does that line up I would you know they'll have a year where they play Ohio State they'll not play Michigan for three years now I know Iowa isn't the most successful program, but they basically get to duck Ohio State and Michigan like every three years they play each other. Now, mm -hmm. even more glaringly, what Mike said when you look at the SEC is the example of, let's say, Bama and Georgia. Now, I know that's been kind of a right. hot thing lately, but there are seasons where Bama and Georgia cannot play for years. So if they had not played each other in the SEC championship and national championship games, Bama and Georgia went between 2015 and 2020 without actually playing each other outside of the SEC championship in the national wow. championship game. So that's that. a five-year period where somehow you could have came as a freshman and somehow avoided playing each other the entire time. It's actually happened before. Y'all remember the guy? You remember Andy Murray or Aaron Murray? Y'all remember him? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Aaron Jordan, Murray. From Georgia, right? Yep. Yes, Georgia. Quarterback. Quarterback. He is the leader in the history of the SEC in passing yards, right? So in Aaron, in Aaron Murray's time, he played at Georgia from 2010 to 2013. He only played Bama one time. It was in the SEC championship. That man went through his entire SEC reign, broke all, broke the SEC passing record, and somehow mm -hmm. avoided the Nick Saban's Alabama 
uh, Chris and Ty all the time, except for the one time they just messed around and ended up in a championship game. So to me, when you look at stuff like that, it's like, are we going to be soft in the schedule? So no, I would rather you blend it up. These teams play each other, you know, often. Don't just sit here and say, all right, you play every four years. They have for the rivalries. I know that's what a lot of people get concerned about. The Big Ten is doing protective rivalries. So you still have every year USC is going to play UCLA since they're going to the Big Ten. Michigan State and Michigan are still protected. Ohio State, Michigan are still protected games. The only weird one I thought the Big Ten did is Penn State. Ohio State is not protected. Penn State has no protection. So Penn State is going to have the most random schedule out of everybody. <laughs> so I don't get why they didn't protect them with at least one rival, but you'll still get to play your rivals, but it is something to kind of getting to spread out and making sure that if a guy's in college for three years and he's a star, making sure that we at least get one time, maybe two times, where a guy, let's say from USC, gets to go to the big house, and then he also gets to have Michigan come play him at the Coliseum. Like, these are things that need to happen. We don't need these four years without each other. How do you feel about it, John? Yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with all you guys, and it, you know, it's not on purpose. It's just because of that factor. Is like, you know, sometimes like we we have some years where Wisconsin's good in the Big Ten, and the reason why is because everyone that we're talking about this is, if you didn't hear in the beginning, is the Big Ten is is now moving towards that uh, type of mentality where they're going to have one sole conference, no divisions, and the reason being behind that is because UCLA and U, uh, USC coming in, and they would have to go on the West, which means that they. They wouldn't get a lot of the Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, Penn State, and everything every single year. So with the scheduling wise, I agree with you know, you know, if your team's playing, if if it's Michigan, Ohio State to finish the year, you know, as a Michigan fan, I don't want to play Ohio State again in two weeks. But you know, if it comes down to it, you're gonna have more fans at the game. You're gonna boost the co- conference championship games. Um, I just think it's a better uh, overall. Uh, competitiveness, I would say. Um, and I think some conferences do do this still. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you guys. I think the conferences need to just go straight up because I think they need to play each other, right? The best yeah. of the best, you know, because, like, Minnesota can go through the west side of the Big Ten and just right, right through if they wanted to, or Wisconsin, just go right straight through and just go right to the Big Ten championship. Look at Purdue. Purdue did, had no business being on the field with – with uh, Michigan last year. Absolutely not. But we had to play that game, right? Who would have been the second best team? Ohio State, you know, and that team ended up almost playing each other in the national championship game. Um, But, you know, ultimately, I think it's going to – with the expansion of the college football playoff, I don't think you have room to miss out on these games. Because now teams are going to be t- – now you have more of a chance to make the college football playoff, right? You have 12 teams. You just got to be top 12. That's it. Yeah. And that's a lot. So, like, these games are going to be are, – are, if you got to play Bama and U.S. In, in like, Bama and Georgia and in Florida in one year and you're, like, Texas A&M, man, that's a gauntlet. But you have to beat that, those guys, right? It's going to mean more. Right. Instead of going through yeah. the west side of the – Freaking uh, SEC, uh, uh, SEC, or or the Big Ten, and then your Wisconsin, and your number eleven in the country, where you have no business, and you went, let's say, twelve and one because you lost in the Big Ten championship game, and you have no business being number eleven, but they're going to give it to you because you're twelve and one, right? Now, Mike, so, I have a question for you, actually, because there's another there's another rule change that's coming too. 
2024. So 2024, you know how usually in college they have the stoppage after every first down? Yeah. To speed up the game, they're actually taking that rule out. The stoppage after every first down is only going to be within the last two minutes where the clock stops after every first down, which is supposed to start 2024. NCAA is actually enacting that too. How do you feel about that, Mike? What, what was that again? Sorry, I didn't so hear in 2024, they are going to change the rule from uh, the stoppage of the clock after every first down. They're only going to start doing that within the last two minutes. Oh, that's oh, that's a beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to speed the game up. Uh, it's going to be a little weird, but I suppose like it's bringing it closer to the program. And I know that a, a big debate usually is how different the college rules are from the pro rules. So for the sake of, I mean, the first thing that pops in my head is for the sake of NFL ready prospects. All right, cool. It's another rule that they don't have to adjust to. So I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah I like man. the fact they're speeding up. That's why I was. Yeah. yeah. College football games take, take forever, man. I'll be honest yeah. with you. One sport that needs to be sped up is it's football. In yeah. the NFL and the college football, I know that's pretty much a hot topic. We'll t- we'll talk about that a little bit more, but that needs to be that means it needs to be sped up here. But you know, I think that that's a great rule because yeah. uh, if you ever been to a game, I mean, I love football more than the next guy, but man, like I'm just like, <laughs> damn, this game taking for freaking ever, especially if it's a blowout. Yeah, um, that's that's really terrible. But you know, speaking about time, I think uh, I think it's time, fellas. I think it's time for stomp the. I'll take it over this week from Jay, Grandpa Jay, explaining. Thank you for this time, for joining us this time of the show, everyone. This is the time where we play Stump the Squad. Two points for a win, minus two for a loss, if you don't get the question right. And uh, let's uh, let's throw it over to Mikey Mike, give him, you know, he's been starting every, every, every uh, topic. So let's throw it over to him to start off us. And stump the squad. Okay, yes. I'm excited for this stump the squad. Let us not forget who the reigning champion is. Uh, hopefully I can defend my title. And I will begin. Yes, Mickey Mantle. Um, go check out that clip, by the way. It was uh, did pretty well today. Um, let's start off my defense, my hopeful defense of my stump the squad title with a baseball question. Who... Did Vin Scully replace in the Dodgers broadcast booth in 1950? Jesus. Oh, man. (laughs) Probably. I don't think it was baby. Um, Again, who did Vin Scully replace in 1950 in the Dodgers broadcast booth? A, Ernie Harwell. B, Red Barber. C, Mel Allen. Or D, Jerry Coleman. Barber. I goes Red Barber. I was actually going there too. But I'm not going there now. What was the choices again? Uh, A. Ernie Harwell. B. Red Barber. C. Mel Allen. Or D. Jerry Coleman. Jerry Coleman. Okay, so we have Red Barber and Jerry Coleman. Sounds Gentlemen, like a, it sounds like a tandem. <laughs> it does. This week, I have successfully stumped the squad. It's the last one. Ernie Harwell. Yeah, I said that. I said that, though. (laughs) In fact, actually, John, you did pick who he joined in the broadcast booth. He joined Red Barber. Damn it. God damn it, Red. (laughs) Work harder. 
So now we'll send it over to John. All righty. I got a football question because I'm excited for football season. Okay. Our best friend, Larry Fitz. You know him? Larry Fitzgerald? You ever heard of him? I don't know and if you guys have heard vaguely. of him. It vaguely, sounds familiar. Right? Um, how many tackles does Larry <laughs> Fitzgerald have? Tackles, like tackles. as a receiver. Right. 35, 41, 42, or 51? Let's see. Carson threw some picks. Derek Anderson threw <laughs> picks. <laughs> 41. Uh, Okay, Trey. Can I get the options one more time, please? 35, 41, 42, 51. 51. All right, Trey says 41. Mike says 51, right? 51, yes. 51. I have successfully stumped last week's champion, Mike. It is 41. And here's here's a fact, right? Larry Fitzgerald holds uh, is that he has uh, amazing record is that he holds more tackles than dropped passes in his career. Wow! Hall of Famer. Yeah, All right, Trey. Let's bring us home. Okay, so today we talked a little bit about college football. So let's take this to the college football area. Of course, the Penn State Nifty Lions have been around forever. Getting their ass kicked out of Ohio State Buckeyes. Go ahead and say it, Mike. The Ohio State Buckeyes. Thank you. Why you do that? <laughs> okay, so their original colors are actually different. They were not always blue and white, as we always know Penn State as. What was the original colors of the Penn State Nittany Lions? Black and pink, purple and blue, yellow and green, or black and gold? Can you go through those again, please? Yep. Black and pink, purple and blue, yellow and green, black and gold. Yellow and green. Okay, Mike, yellow and green. So black and pink, what's the second option? Purple and blue. Hmm. Purple and blue. So today I have successfully stumped the squad. <sighs> Oh boy! But you know what that means. Go, let me give you a couple quick thoughts here. So, in 1887, they chose these colors. They wanted something very bright and attractive. Was what they no. voted on, which is why they went with black and pink. They did not want to use red or orange because it was already a commonly used color on a lot of colleges. Also, fun fact: they had a chant, the chant of the school. You know, and I say like, "We are Penn State." But back then, the chant was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whiswack, pink and black. That used to be the state. So, I think we can all universally agree that Penn State was the right choice. No, not at all. I want to hear that chant today. That was no. If we go to a Penn State game, we got to do that. They switched the colors in 1890. Part of the reason they switched the colors in 1890 was because the pink used to fade in the sun. So it looked mm. ugly. The other reason was their baseball team went on the road for a couple games. They were made fun of by other teams. And they got no, I can't imagine for, why. That's for different <laughs> colors. So eventually yeah. they took on the colors of blue and white. And that is how we know the Penn State Nitty Lions in current day. 
And the current day winner of Stump the Squad is Mr. Trading. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so I'm goddamn sick of this, and it's going to be a long season of this. The damn Jets, come on, you are the Jets. The Jets are going to Jets. What are we going to keep hearing? Aaron Rodgers, oh, my God, he's going to turn around the Jets. Let's not forget this. Aaron Rodgers, he'll probably get them to the playoffs. Most likely, good chance. When he gets to the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers, 12 and 10 in the playoffs. Expect to fail. The Jets, they are the Jets. They'll probably mess this up. Maybe even get to the AFC Championship because you know why? What does he always spell it? The NFC Championship. Record there, one and four. He's at one Super Bowl. That was 2011. That was 12 fucking years ago. Do you know how many people have came in and out of the league in these 12 years? But you know, fun fact, Aaron Rodgers started 15 years in the NFL, six years he didn't make the playoffs. The guy has not made it in almost half of his time making, you know, as the NFL as a starter. So everybody's all high and mighty. Oh, my God, the Jets. We're going to be out here every week with Monday Night Football, Sunday Football, and everybody's going to be at the Jets' ass. But who knows? We'll see if this really works out. Aaron Rodgers at some point is probably going to get moody. At some point he's going to be yelling at Garrett Wilson because he didn't run the right route. Brees Hall is going to piss him off because he didn't carry the ball exactly the way Aaron Rodgers wanted to carry it because that is what Aaron Rodgers does. So y'all can expect all y'all want to, but at the end of the day, the Bills are still a strong contender. I don't love the Patriots by any means, but Belichick is still Belichick, so that's going to be hard. And really right now, I love a lot of what Miami has done there with the Dolphins. I like Tua. I like Mike White as the backup. I like what that team has done. So everybody's like putting the Jets in the Super Bowl. I can't guarantee they're going to win the goddamn division. So I don't see how we've gotten this damn far with the whole Aaron Rodgers victory parade and him at the Knicks game. Oh, my God, let's kiss Aaron Rodgers' ass. Give this time, people. Let's see what happens because Aaron Rodgers is probably going to piss half of these guys off and flame out in the playoffs because that's what he does. Or, like I said, six out of 15 years, he didn't even make the playoffs. So, you know, that's my thoughts for now. Well said. <sighs> yeah, all right, Trey. <laughs> Trey's been going in tonight. Trey's exhausted right now. Man, I couldn't agree more with you on that. I, I've said it all along that and I'm and I can't even watch get up anymore because now yeah. they got Greeny is just so ridiculous. Man. He was ridiculous before the trade. Now he's all high and mighty, Aaron Rodgers, blah blah blah. But that was one factor that no one plays that no one thinks about. This man, if he won, okay, three, four Super Bowls over that time, I'll say, okay, maybe he just needs that right team. Man, this dude can't beat – he just can't be, he can't even just beat a uh, beat-up uh, Tom Brady, you know, at 45 years old. Like, he's – I just don't see it. I don't. I'm sorry. Um, but we'll see what happens here. Gentlemen, this was a fantastic episode, episode 69, giggity, giggity. Any, any final <laughs> thoughts on at some point. <laughs> any final thoughts? Sex is officially a sport. I think it was in Sweden. So never yep, yep, Sweden Sweden has a thing. Sweden, Sweden has a championship. Yep, yep. Could Didn't Jamie bring that up? Like, could, you, could, you imagine, yeah. could you imagine ESPN covering that? Back. You see, you see Chris Burberry doing the highlights. Back, 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 back. Throws it back, 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 back. <laughs> oh my god! But any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we head into this great weekend? Uh let's go football because it's come, but it's about to come back, and the Giants actually have a running back now. <laughs> Yay! Now, now all we have to worry about is the rest of the team. Yes, my yeah. voice was a lot of yelling today. 
<laughs> well, I think I think you know it's a great time of year. You know, the Yankees I think won tonight. We got Bayheim's Army defeating, going against Blue Collar U for the regional championship in the <laughs> basketball tournament. So tune in this weekend for that. Um, got a lot of great sports on this weekend, and of course, um, oh, I want wanted to say one thing. Um, you know, thought our thoughts and prayers are with the the James family um, after hearing about Ronnie James um, collapsing um, on the court during practice here um, in cardiac arrest. We've seen that this year already, and I think that is uh, very scary uh, for a young young man like himself at 18 years old to go into cardiac arrest. Um, I wish him a speedy recovery, regardless if he ever puts a foot on the court again. You know, I wish him a speedy recovery and a healthy healthy life because uh, no family rich or poor should have to ever have to go through that. And, and I definitely, you know, and our thoughts are with them and I know they probably have the best medical team in the country. So just wanted to throw that out there uh, that our thoughts are with the James family and um, hope everyone has a great weekend in sports and we'll see you here next week for episode 70. That's right. 70. We bring in, we bring in spring train. We bring in preseason football in this. Episode 70. So make sure you don't watch preseason football and watch Cinco Squad on Thursdays at noon. We'll see you here next week. Cinco Squad out.